0: Welcome back to the Keeping It Real podcast where I, Mary Lara Hunt, interview experts on the dangers of social media and how to handle them in the real world. Today I'm here with local teacher Jamie Gressett and Heather Reader to explore the topic of education and how social media has affected teenagers in a learning capacity. So first I'm gonna start with Miss Gressett and then I'll transition over to Miss Reader. And I'm gonna be calling them Miss Gressett and Miss Reader because they have both been my teachers and y'all all know how that goes. It just kind of feels weird to call them by the first name after you've known them as a teacher. So, hello Ms. Gressett. how are you today? I'm great. How are you it's feeling? Good, it's spring and it's warm and I, know. I'm, I was ready. <laughs> it's a, such a beautiful day today. So, something I like to do with all of my experts is just ask you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, just kind of so they get to know you as a person before an expert.
1: Okay, i um, Jamie Gresset and I'm originally from a very small town called Doyleen. It's in Webster Parish, Louisiana. Um, I graduated with, I think, 36 students. It was very small, very rural. My dad was my principal, and he had been a coach before that, and my mom was a teacher, so education was in my blood. My grandmother had been the school secretary, cafeteria manager, and bus driver, so I have one brother, he's not in education he got he didn't take that route mm-hmm. but i kind of felt like it was destined for me to be in education even though i tried to avoid it for a long time but i currently teach at Ruston high school mm-hmm. and i help sponsor student council and i run the social media accounts for the school which i've really enjoyed doing the last couple of years we started that in march of 2020 the facebook mm-hmm. account when everybody went home we started it mm-hmm. i really enjoy doing that and I have a daughter, Addie Lou, she's a sixth grader. Mm -hmm. And then my husband, Dan, he is from Mississippi and he is our principal actually at Ruston High, Mm -hmm. which is
0: kind of strange, but we make it work. That's so interesting that your dad was a principal and now like your daughter is getting to have the same experience that you did. Like, how do you feel about that? Is it weird? Do you like it? It's kind of weird. Really? Um, Like, it's kind of like deja vu, you know. Interesting. Um,
1: Cause Dan was a coach first and then my dad had been a coach and then a principal. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just reliving my childhood all over again. But I think it's kind of weird, but it's good, too. It, sometimes as parents, it's hard because I feel like we're probably harder on Addie Lou. But my parents were the mm-hmm. same way with me.
0: But the, like, it sounds like a lot of fun, and it sounds like you know exactly what she's going to be going through in her teenage years. So you're going to know how to handle that in a way that like, maybe you didn't enjoy your parents handling it. Or like you, just, you get to know what she's feeling and then address it because you know, yeah. so that, that's really I interesting. So that you avoided teaching, why did you avoid teaching?
1: Mainly because my parents were always like, don't go into education, you're never going to make money, you know, and it was more about the salary, not about the gratitude mm-hmm. of the job, because they both loved their job, and they loved the students and the relationships, mm-hmm. and the hours were, you know, really good, and so I tried to avoid it, I worked for a nonprofit for six months and then I just, I wasn't happy. I loved the nonprofit, but I didn't like the job. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm just gonna, I I can't do it anymore. I'm going to go back to school and be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I signed up for grad school. I was gonna go through grad school and get my certification in elementary, which is looking back, I'm glad I didn't. I don't (laughs) think I would have been very good. And my mom happened to be walking through the office at her school, they had had a teacher resign and the principal was desperate and he was like does anyone know anybody with an english background that i can just hire and my mom said my daughter and i was up in fayetteville arkansas visiting a friend and got a call and I'm like, sure, I'll go teach. And so I walked in the classroom with no experience, and that's, 21 years later, here I am.
0: That's so cool. So I know personally, I am well aware that my gift is not teaching. I just, <laughs> I don't think I can handle being a teacher. But how did you know, like, that, like, that is your passion? That is, I know that's what I want to do. I can't do anything else. What made you decide that?
1: I think being able to, like, connect with the students um, when I first started teaching, just being able to... I don't know that the teaching was that great like I always want to go back to old students and say let me reteach you that because I didn't do a very good job like I feel more confident in the teaching aspect of it now Mm -hmm. but I feel like the relationship part has been there and I think just seeing kids succeed and then like when they go beyond your class and seeing them be successful Mm -hmm. I think that is kind of the kind of sealed the deal like I knew yeah you know, that's what I was supposed so to you doing. just really
0: enjoy the relational aspect yeah. yeah no I totally get that but something I've always wondered is like how do you spend all day in a classroom full of teenagers and then go home and like still have gas left in the tank for your own teenager like, is that overwhelming
1: it is um, when I was when Addie Lou was a baby Dan was still coaching baseball and it was six nights a week sometimes in the spring And that was really hard. Fortunately, we have a good support system with parents Mm and with our families, both of our families and friends that can help. But my dad never brought home, like, work drama, like, after ball games or or school, and my mom didn't either. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of, and Dan never did that as a coach either. And so I try to remember, like, okay, don't bring it home. So my answer is I go work out as soon as school ends, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like which my day is not terribly stressful like I have great classes and Mm -hmm. I mean sometimes I'll be very there are certain times of the year when we're very busy and we've gotten very busy with Addie Lou being in sixth grade that junior high oh junior high you know where you're trying to figure out what activities you want to stick with and so she's in this and this and this and you feel like you're a hamster on a Mm -hmm. wheel driving to all these different things so it's been really busy it kind of reminds me of like when Dan was still coaching and she was a baby But the one constant has been, I just exercise. Mm -hmm. Like I go to work out right after school and it kind of gets the stress out. And then I'm like, okay, well I can face whatever it Mm -hmm. is. And I
0: I totally understand that. My brother's the exact same way. It's like his release. Mm -hmm. Like once he found that he was just like a much lighter, happier, more enjoyable person, because he just got to like get all of that out. So obviously we're here to talk about social media, but before we start, I am wondering, are you on social media yourself? yes yes you are okay so have you seen has that helped you understand your audience better like has that been an aid to you being on social media like being able to understand your students better I think so
1: I I have Facebook which is for old people I know (laughs) um I have Instagram I have Snapchat and I have TikTok I don't make videos but I watch videos Mm -hmm. and I feel like just knowing like what's popular or trending helps kind of understand what's going on with the students, like what they think is popular or trending. Mm -hmm. It helps you know, you know, okay, well, these are things they could be dealing with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of like, I feel like a lot of drama between teenagers stems from social media. And so just kind of being aware of how easily things can spread on social media and being on there has helped me
0: Mm -hmm.
1: understand that.
0: So I, yeah, I know personally, whenever I feel like a teacher is engaging online, it helps me be able to connect with them easier Mm -hmm. because I feel like they're not acting like they're higher than a teenager and what they do online. And so, like, being able to engage with them in that aspect makes me more engaged with them in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So I was just wondering how that was seen from a teacher's perspective. You taught before cell phones and social media really like majorly took off correct mm-hmm. okay so I'm really wondering when was the switch from like not having social media having social media like was it gradual I've asked a couple of experts this was it a gradual shift was it immediate like oh wow this is a new interesting thing that is gonna have an effect on the classroom and then like what did it look like
1: I think I think it was probably more gradual. I do think certain apps sort of exploded and it was like, whoa, it's here. I remember getting my first text message. I was teaching, Really, I lived in Minden, and my friend Sean worked for Alltel, which is now Verizon. And this thing popped up on my phone, which was one of the old like Nokia phones, and <laughs> you know, you're like this. And it said, this is a new thing, I'm sending you 10 free text messages because text messages used to be charged per message. Really? And I was like, oh my gosh, but it was fun. You know, like mm-hmm. I loved it. I don't enjoy talking on the telephone. So text messages were great for me. I will talk on the phone, but I don't like particularly like to catch up with somebody. I'd rather mm-hmm. either meet in person or like text. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, things started evolving. I remember it was, a few years later there was an an app or it was a blog called Zanga and it was I've
0: never heard of it this. was an
1: online blog and it was kind of like a diary and students would make these things well it created drama because they were putting their whole lives out there I and I can that. remember some drama like at the school that I was at at the time and then MySpace came along and Which MySpace is hilarious.
0: I've like I've heard of that, Uh but I don't actually know what it is. Yeah,
1: it was kind of a blog, like a personal blog, and you posted pictures. Mm -hmm. And then Facebook came along, but Facebook you had to go be enrolled in a college, and like it was associated with your college, and you couldn't have it. And I could have one because I was in grad school at Tech. But then Facebook went public, and everyone got the college people got mad because it was like their own thing. (laughs) And then from there, you know, all these other other things instagram snapchat twitter
0: Mm -hmm.
1: whatsapp you know all the things that are out there now and i feel like when instagram and snapchat and twitter it used to be twitter it was kind of gradual i would say about 10 years ago it was twitter Mm -hmm. and that was where the drama would be like i can remember talking to students like you know after school i remember they were like, well, she subtweeted me. And I don't even know what that means. It's kind of like a snarky <laughs> comment and reply to someone's tweet that uh-huh. they made. And I can remember um, Dan was an assistant principal then. And and he would be like wading through tweets, you know, about people. And, and then it was Snapchat. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like with Twitter and Snapchat and maybe even Instagram, it kind of like it was gradual, but then it was, like, boom. It
0: exploded in your face. Yes. Yeah.
1: And I feel like just in the last, you know, five, six years that it's gotten mm-hmm. it's gotten really big.
0: So the main thing, like, students were just, like, distressed about other students more than they ever had been before. Yes. Because of stuff online. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So one thing I am wondering is, like, the connection dynamic in the classroom? Because you said you started teaching because you're very relational and you mm-hmm. love the relationships that were formed in the classroom. So did social media take away from that? Like, is there less connection now? Even though we're so connected in so many ways, is there less connection now in the classroom than there was prior to a cell phone?
1: I think I still, I mean, I feel pretty connected to my students, but mm-hmm. I could see how in certain settings, um, or maybe, Like I feel like um, my students are typically, like I kind of have a good idea. I feel like I can Mm kind of gauge their personalities, but I do, and and so I feel like most of the time it's not an issue for me, but I do notice that students are a little more hesitant to speak up, like in class discussion, I have to like not force it on them in a bad way, but Mm kind of set more guidelines. Like you are getting points for this. I'm keeping a tally we're going to do certain things to like make you talk you have to talk you know like I feel Uh like they're a little more hesitant because maybe they're afraid someone's going to talk about them Mm or make a snapchat about can you believe what she said Mm -hmm. so I I personally try to make the class like a comfortable like like, hopefully it's my goal like I hope students think that my class is a comfortable place where Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when we're reading a literary text or something they can share their opinion Mm -hmm. about it and not be judged But I do feel like students are hesitant.
0: Mm -hmm. That's very interesting that you say that because in my presentation to, like I'll I'll go around to different schools and give a presentation about the struggles and challenges social media can provide. And like one of those challenges is social skills. Mm -hmm. And the social skills are limited because they have, they're not accountable for what they say on social media. There's always this wall in between them and the person that they're talking to where they can kind of, fabricate what they're gonna say before they actually Mm -hmm. have to say it. So I'm wondering if that like is a little bit of social anxiety whereas like I don't have the social skills to be capable of answering this question just forming my own thoughts and not consulting the internet first or Mm -hmm. not you know drafting it first before I actually say it. So that's that's really interesting. Uh I haven't thought about it that way, but we do harp on social skills Mm -hmm. being limited. So that makes sense that that's where that would happen in the classroom. So what is like overall from no social media to social media, what is the biggest difference between students who didn't have social media and students who do have social media?
1: I think in the past I feel like my students were a little more carefree, you know, like Mm -hmm. just totally be themselves, and I still feel like students are themselves, but I feel like they weren't worried about an image they were projecting. They weren't worried about if somebody was going to like, like this. They weren't worried about how many likes they were going to get. They mm-hmm. were just kind of themselves. And I still think students are themselves. I don't mean it
0: in that way. They're just always trying to be the best version yes. of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. I do understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That, mm. <sighs> that makes me so sad. That, that, but I, do, I know. But yeah. like, it's like my generation There's like a barrier there. Mm -hmm. It's like we are constantly trying to put up this facade that we're perfect online. And so you attempt that in your real life Mm -hmm. and it's not attainable. So then you get super distressed when you can't. In an education aspect, what did social media bring to the table that wasn't previously there? So like in terms of curriculum or what you were teaching, what did social media like enable in terms of education
1: i think it has brought some good things ways to share information i feel like has gotten better you can go out you know there are all these like influencers now and a lot of them like teachers will have their own like social media account for their classroom and stuff Mm -hmm. they do and so i feel like in some ways it's been great you know because they're I mean, there's just a wealth of ideas on how you can present this information Mm -hmm. or get this material across to a student in a better way. Um, So I think that's been good. Mm -hmm. I think as far as like in class, sometimes it has been a distraction. Mm -hmm. You know, students want to in the past, you know, depending on whatever a school's cell phone policy is, you know, they'll be wanting to scroll their social media and really it's Snapchat, it to me is the biggest distraction. Mm -hmm. Um, Students will want to send a little Snapchat, you know, Mm -hmm. really fast to somebody. But as far as like the curriculum and education goes, I feel like it's, it's provided a lot of information, like Mm -hmm. good information and and like a lot of
0: resources. Mm Yes, because we've talked about multiple times on this podcast. This podcast is not about me being like social media is bad. Like everybody should get rid of social media and it should not be a thing in any profession. No, that's not what this is. So I love that. I love it when people do bring up Mm -hmm. the positive side of social media. Because I feel like we a lot of times can get very discouraged about Mm -hmm. this generation because we are so present on social media and we don't look at the positive things that it brings to the table.
1: And I think as a person, like looking back, I mean, I just think things like, gosh, if I could have been in high school when social media was there, like, think of all the opportunities Mm -hmm. I might have known about that I didn't know about. I mean, email was a big thing. You know, when I got to college, it was like, oh, you get an email address. Mm -hmm. That was a big deal. It was, you couldn't just find all this stuff out there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are a lot of good things about it.
0: So, I know specifically at Ruston High, we are almost like completely virtual. And so, whereas every student has their own Chromebook, mm-hmm. the majority of their assignments are online. Do you see a difference in workload? Like, I feel like I, I wasn't in high school before COVID and before we switched to virtual, which I mean, I guess it's not social media, but it's technology in mm-hmm. an aspect. And so like, have you seen an increase in the workload and have you seen that overwhelm students more than they were before? In my class, I'd say it's
1: the same, mm-hmm. like the work is the same. And we went back to like paper. Like I give the mm-hmm. students the option if, if you want, you know, to do this assignment online in Google Classroom, I'll assign it to you specifically. But we went back to paper in English because we just found that like drafting your essays mm-hmm. and setting up all the assignments leading up to an essay, students were just doing better work when they had something to touch and like when they were on paper, like handwriting it. Now all of our essays, I will say, it has made essay writing on the teacher's end a lot easier, the grading end, because mm-hmm. it is, you know, we can put it in Google Classroom and you can grade it, like put your rubric in there and you're clicking and you can make comments that mm-hmm. don't, don't take you a long time to handwrite. So as far as the workload in my subject, I would say it's, it's probably about the same now. Mm-hmm. I have residents, um, resident teachers, and I feel like sometimes their workload on their college classes is a lot, because it's all like, a lot of their classes are totally online. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes you get assigned, and I've taken online classes before, and Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a heavy workload in an online class. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of paperwork.
0: Well, and just like, from my thought process, I'm like, okay, well, if we're doing all this virtual work, it's easier to grade, it's faster to mm-hmm. grade, so teachers are going to assign more. Like, is is that true? Like, since it's easier, easily accessible, easily graded, like, I mean, you turn in a, like, a Google form, and bam, it's mm-hmm. graded the second that you turn it in. So, like, that's where the question of the workload came in for me.
1: In my class, I would say no, but for us, we kind of have the same, like, it's all about the pacing and like building up to that skill in English. Yeah. So my workload is has to me been the same or maybe even a little less, because like we've kind of slowed down and like gone a little deeper into more assignments.
0: Interesting. Well, I am so thankful that we've been able to have you on today. You I too. think we're gonna switch to Miss Reader now, but okay. thank you so much for You're your welcome. time. It's such an I interesting honor. I've never done it. So <laughs> done this kind of thing. So it was great. Well, I love that you are willing and open yes. to come and try a podcast. It was good. Mm-hmm. So now I am back with Heather Reader, and she's actually currently one of my teachers. So I, I will also be referring to her as Miss Reader because I I just can't say uh, Heather. It just it just doesn't work. Students, you know what I mean. So um, I'm gonna kind of ask you the same things that I asked Miss okay. Gressett. Just get help our listeners get to know you as a person before a teacher. So just tell
2: me a little bit about yourself. Okay. So my name is Heather Reader. And I am a history teacher, American history teacher, and it's my 22nd year of teaching. And I'm actually born and raised in Ruston. So Mm -hmm. this is this is home for me. Um, I'm married and my husband is also a teacher and a football coach at Ruston High. And I have a senior daughter, Hannah, and I have a 10 year old son named Hunter. So. I mean, Rustin's home for me. So this is just—it's—it's it's where I love. I love to travel, but mm-hmm. I love—I love home for sure.
0: Y'all, these two women that I'm interviewing today are the power couples of Rustin. High. Oh my gosh! It's so funny, and I love it. It's one of my favorite. Maybe things. Dan and
2: Chad should be on an yeah! episode. I feel like there we go. Oh, it's- so the fun. dad's perspectives yes. on, on social media.
0: Because Miss Gresset is married to the principal and then Ms. Reuter is married to the football coach and like Miss Reuter and Mr. Reader have like classrooms right next to each other and he pops in her class like all the time and it's it's so funny, we're, yes. These are the power couples of Ruston High if any of y'all were wondering. So in your class you talk a lot about the traditions of Ruston High. Mm-hmm. And I know that means a lot to you, it means yes. a lot to me too. I've had family here for generations mm-hmm. and I grew up listening to all kinds of stories about the super fun and like very community-oriented traditions of Ruston mm-hmm. High. How have you seen social media affect those traditions? Okay, that's they're a different.
2: great question. I, I coached cheer for 15 years and we were responsible and Miss Gressett does homecoming but we were responsible for doing a couple of the school dances. And I will say that when social media came into play, instead of kids having to leave the house to go to be social, they can sit and Snapchat and FaceTime mm-hmm. in their room. And I really think it not, co- and COVID killed a lot of the socializing for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I think once kids had that social media contact, texting, snaps, whatever, they didn't have to get in the same room. And like you talked about with Miss Gresset, have a face-to-face conversation mm-hmm. and communicate. And I think that that's that's hindered kids. They don't really know how to communicate to one another. And y'all sit in groups in my classroom, and I just rearranged your seating. So you would talk to people you don't normally talk to. Mm -hmm. And I think social media eliminated some of that socializing in person that we used to have at Ruston High School Mm -hmm. with dances and pep rallies and events because you don't you don't have to go anywhere to meet people you can just sit in your room and mm-hmm. lay in your bed and facetime or whatever you want to do
0: no i totally understand and i think there's a lot more social anxiety yes surrounding those type of like big events because it's like how am i going to talk to people? because, because without you have to post though.
2: too you're oh. there's that expectation of don't even get me i'm going to go to prom but i've got to have x number of pictures and make sure my dress doesn't match somebody else's and so I think that's that's something too. it creates a whole nother level mm-hmm. of anxiety. But I do. I, we have lost some traditions, I think. And that's because kids have other options yeah. as far as socialization. For
0: sure. And like back to the posting thing. I know. And I've been guilty of this. If I don't get the pictures that I want or if I don't and I'm not as photogenic as I want to be that day, it ruins the rest of my night.
2: And And it shouldn't. It should just be hang out with your friends, enjoy that high school experience because you're not going to get it back. When I first started teaching at Ruston High School, girls would share dresses for dances, Mm -hmm. and it never mattered. Like, oh, you wore this to homecoming. I'm going to wear it to Peppet Formal. But with social media, they won't because it's somebody else's dress and it's in a picture. Mm. And so I've seen a lot of that, and that's really sad to me because of the loss of what I think are school traditions and things Mm -hmm. that my parents did and I did in high school. So definitely I think we've we've seen some changes with mm-hmm. in-person socialization.
0: Yeah okay so I've heard a lot of things about certain apps like limiting or cutting down teenagers attention span so like TikTok, YouTube mm-hmm. shorts because we're used to getting that like spike of yes. dopamine and then it just like bottoms out and like we we're just like searching for it all the time so like that can cause us to have way shorter attention spans in the classroom. So like, have you, is that true for you?
2: Have you seen that? I would say since cell phones first got introduced and like Ms. Gresset, I remember getting a, a text. And I'm like, what is this? And it's gonna be 25 cents a text or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I think attention spans are shorter because kids have their phones, own them. Even if they're in a pack, you know, their belt bag or they're in their pocket, it buzzes and all of a sudden they're distracted. Even if it's for just a half second, that's distraction in the middle of a test or in the middle of okay. a lesson. And I think I think that's made a difference. I think we've had to retrain kids. In, and I like that our policy is a no phone policy. Mm-hmm. I know some people find that very controversial, but it makes it easier as a teacher to try to get your kids engaged and to stay focused because mm-hmm. it is, and, and I mean, you know, if you've got your Apple Watch on, I mean, mine was. buzz, or my phone will buzz sitting on my desk. And even for me as an adult, it's that, oh, I wonder what that was. Do I need to check that? Mm-hmm. So yes, I definitely think it's a distraction. And kids look for that, those those likes, and they get a buzz. Or, oh, I got a snap. I got to go check it. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think it's changed the attention spans. I will say this, though. We had a pretty liberal phone policy for a few years, and then we backtracked a whole lot. And there was a lot of you know, gnashing and wailing of teeth and whatever you say, Mm -hmm. but it's been better for the classroom. I really, I really think it's been better for the classroom. Um, At the end of last year, about middle of maybe January 2022, I started having kids turn in their phones to Mm -hmm. a hanging pocket chart every day because I got tired of trying to see if they were texting in their pocket, in their, in their lap or they were in their purse texting. Mm -hmm. And within a week, it made a huge difference. They whined and complained for a few days, but every day when they came in and put it up, it was a whole new world. They were paying attention to each other. They were paying attention to the lesson in class, way better than they had been before. So yeah, it makes a difference.
0: And I feel like that's like training for the real world because in the real world, you're going to have to understand like how to ignore your phone Mm -hmm. in order to get stuff done. And so I think that's good training of being able to know your phone is there, it's there, it's not going anywhere, Mm -hmm. and being able to ignore it. Personally. I do like it when teachers are stricter about putting up our phones because it eliminates the like stress of other kids being on it too mm-hmm. because that was a big thing that actually a lot of teenagers were happy about because the phone policy was so not liberal anymore that meant that nobody was going to be exactly. on their phone. so like the pressure of missing a text or a snapchat or an instagram notification wasn't there because you We're living in the comfort of, well, nobody's going to be on their phone.
2: So we're all going to be the same. Yeah. And I know we've had a couple of teachers at school do an experiment where they had kids turn their phones in, just lay them on the teacher desk, put them on Do Not Disturb, and at the end of the hour looked at how many notifications those kids got. Everything from Snapchat to a Be Real or whatever it was, And it was in the thousands. Oh, it's crazy. And so, and I know a math teacher who's done it, an English teacher. And it's insane how many notifications you get. And you don't think about it, but every time the kids are getting that and it's buzzing, that's a distraction. Mm. And so maybe they miss one thing in class that's really going to help them on the next test. And it's just because of that one notification. And I've never done that experiment in my class, but I've seen the the stats from those teachers. And I thought, that's so much. And having a, a senior in high school... Who was a little upset about the whole phone thing at first and in fact we had this conversation she and I were talking yesterday she said I don't understand why I can't wear my Apple watch how do I know what time it is and I said <laughs> sweetheart like they make watches that are that are analog they're you know mm-hmm. are digital watches but I think that's kids are so used to using that phone for everything mm-hmm. that it becomes such a distraction for their calculator for their to check their to check the time or my mom's gonna call me that's always my favorite the, your mom can call the office mm-hmm. and the office i promise you will come and find you it's mm-hmm. not that's not the only way a parent can get you so mm-hmm. i think it definitely changed the the distraction level once we were pulling those out of the classroom mm-hmm. again and, and saying no we don't need to do that
0: well and this is the topic that i want to expand on in another episode but it's like the social media social media is like an industry. Yes. They make money off of oh, yeah. your distractions. So it's not like we're this corrupt generation that have no yeah. self control and like can't handle so- themselves being around a phone. Like it is completely normal that we are feeling these feelings mm-hmm. of FOMO or anxiety or like, I have to be checking my phone or I'm going to miss something because, like, that's what this business, the social media business is designed
2: to do. It's an addiction. And I don't want to say addiction because I don't want to compare it to something like alcohol or drugs, but it is that addiction that gives mm-hmm. you that little bit of a, oh, you know, that's Instagram. Mm-hmm. Somebody liked the reel I just posted. And it does give you that little burst of good feeling, that dopamine. And mm-hmm. so I think that's something that you can't, I have a 10 year old. He has no social media. He has a phone that he can use when he is on the bus with his dad for away football games. Mm -hmm. And it's mainly because his father's coaching and he can't, he can't, anyway. So it's when Hunter can call me and be like, hey, mom, we're back in Ruston. Can you come pick me up or whatever? But he has zero social media. He's 10. Mm -hmm. Most of his friends have social media. And it is frightening. It is a frightening thought because. He doesn't realize he'll say well i don't get to watch TikTok." i said no you don't and it's okay and we've had really good conversations with him about that mm-hmm. but uh, i do think that that that's something that we can't just say it's an evil and pretend like it's going to go away we have to educate young people and ourselves because it can be a distraction for teachers just like it, or adults moms whatever but i think that's something with hunter he doesn't understand why to some degree we don't let him have it yet mm-hmm. when all of his friends do And so he's got the phone, but the phone doesn't leave the house. The phone doesn't go to school and it stays plugged in in our room. Mm -hmm. So if he's getting on a bus on a Friday night, he can have the phone. Other Mm -hmm. than that, it's not, it's not in his hands because he's not ready. I mean, the maturity's not there and it's just, it's, it's part of our world and we have to figure out how to incorporate it Mm -hmm. in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: and I think, don't tie me to these words, but the definition of addiction is like Mm -hmm. something that changes the way you live daily, like yes. a habit that yes. changes your life every day, and so whenever you are constantly thinking, and it's constantly in the back of your mind, like, I, I must check my phone mm-hmm. to see if I get a certain notification, like, that—that that is an addiction, because it's changing the way you live and the way you think, Exactly. and so when we're handing our students this addiction, like, we're setting them up for failure, like, there's no way, if, if they're not educated on what is being handed to them, and it's a potential and likely addiction, we're setting them up for failure. And so I really do. I think it. I think it aggravated and made a lot of people mad when the phone policy was put out, just because it was so, like such an abrupt. Like no we're phones. taking away all phones. But I think a lot of students ended up seeing the benefits. Like it hasn't. I, I'm going to be completely honest. Me and all of my friends were like there's no way they're going to keep this up. Like, this yeah. isn't, there's no way we're going to have no phones. But we've ended up really enjoying it because mm-hmm. I, I used to have so much homework. Like, last year, I, I felt like I had 10 times more homework. And junior year is hard. Junior year is very hard. But it's because I work all day at school. I'm not, I'm not You're thinking not distracted about by getting on my mm-hmm. phone in my free time because I can't. And so I get all my schoolwork done mm-hmm. at school, relieving me of some anxiety of a hours upon hours of homework when I get home and I've been a much happier, healthier student because of it.
2: And I definitely, I've definitely seen that change in students mm-hmm. and it is hard as a teacher and as a parent to pull the reins back in, but it's good for them. It's, mm-hmm. it's good for, and not, not <laughs> y'all them, just kids, regardless of the age of the kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, Hannah does have social media, she's my senior, but she did not have it until she was a freshman. She started it because she has her own business and so for her, she was a 13 year old business person. And so she started, but it was something I had the password to. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I still have all the passwords. So she cannot go in and change anything without me knowing because it mm-hmm. all comes to my email. And I didn't do that to micromanage. I did it for her safety because I worked with girls for so long, coaching cheer. I saw the negative impact mm-hmm. when somebody posted something rude. Like Miss Gress was talking about subtweets. You know, And I had, I, we have to learn all the lingo because we're in our 40s and so we're learning, trying to keep up with y'all. But it would damage a kid's day in a way that they were devastated and there yes. was nothing you could say or do to help them. And so I think rather than just saying, I mean, we've said no phones on campus, but I also wish we would do something. I don't even know where this fits. I don't know if it fits in a curriculum where kind of a life lessons class for students mm-hmm. that goes with how to write a resume, how to do a job interview. How to manage your social media because you know when you apply for college or you apply for a job, they're checking your social media.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I have known girls that have not gotten into sororities because they dug and found
2: something from your freshman year in high school that wasn't appropriate. Yes. And kids, they're not mature enough to figure that out on their own. Mm -hmm. And so I do like my classroom better without the phones. I really, I really do because I feel like y'all communicate with each other more. Mm-hmm. You're not just all looking down in your lap the whole time. Yeah. And we do have Chromebooks. And so as a, as a history teacher, before we had one-to-one, like one Chromebook for every one student, it was nice to have phones accessible when kids needed to look something up because mm-hmm. our textbooks were about 15 years too old. <laughs> and so I could say, hey, pull up your phone. They would ask me something, and I said, look that up. Mm-hmm. Well, now they have a Chromebook. We don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we've solved that problem of access to information. And so I, I definitely think that it's it's been beneficial, even though at first y'all were not thrilled about it. It's been good.
0: Well, and my thing is it's like when like if a boyfriend breaks up with a girlfriend in the middle of the school day. It's happened. It's like, it happens all the time. Like that's devastating. And then you have to go through the rest of the school day like crying and that's like humiliating and embarrassing. And then by the end of the school day, everybody knows and you're devastated. Like, like that has definitely, the phone's being taken away even just not even in like an attention span aspect in a protection of your emotional state during the school day aspect.
2: And we have some, some student athletes I know with, with student athletes that are being recruited for the college <laughs> level, they can be contacted via their phones mm-hmm. by potential colleges. They get contacted all the time. Yeah. And I have a couple of students in class and they'll say, "Hey, I actually had one that said, hey, I've got a call coming in from a coach from so-and-so. I'm like we are in the middle of discussing the progressive era. <laughs> and but, but that was one of those things like he's so distracted by that because that's his future. And yet, that coach is not really thinking about. He's in school. I don't know. That's where, to me, yeah. it kind of comes in. It's hard to it's hard to have boundaries? a zero the boundaries and and making those <laughs> boundaries work when you know that there's situations. And I'll be honest, I let that kid step out in the hall and take the phone call because mm-hmm. he asked me three times, and it was not going to be. He was never going to pay attention to anything else yeah. until he talked to this coach on the phone. So I mean, I kind of broke the rules. Principal can get on to me. But I was like, step out in the hall, take this phone call. You've got five minutes and I need you back in here. But that was such a distraction for him. Mm-hmm. And it was his future tied into this coach who was constantly texting, hey, I need to talk to you, hey, I need to talk That's to you. That's
0: so crazy. It that- is, it
2: is, it is. And so I think, I don't know how to teach the the... the appropriate, like ease into using social media? Mm-hmm. How do you prepare for your future with it? I feel like there's somewhere to do that, but you, I mean, you know, your class load is full. There's not mm-hmm. a class to teach. I don't know, I don't know where that fits. Well, okay. So In the school setting, I don't know where yes. that fits. I feel like parents should do it, but like you said, some parents are distracted. They give their kids a phone at five years old because
0: they need They it. can just sit
2: there and play by themselves. Yeah. And so when they get to be 15, then it's a real problem mm-hmm. because the kids have never been taught how to use social media mm-hmm. or how to use a phone. So. It's, it's something that I, I never know what the, the balance is. I don't know mm-hmm. what the right boundaries are mm-hmm. officially. And so uh,
0: something I've always said is that we have, like, like courses like D.A.R.E. D.A.R. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Do we still have D.A.R.E.? We don't even have D.A.R.E. No. We, don't, we don't even have D.A.R.E. anymore. No. Okay. Wow. Didn't know Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> because that's what we used to learn with D.A.R.E. Now we don't teach D.A.R.E. And that's and it's because we have so many requirements for the state, which I understand for Standards that have to be taught, the amount of minutes that have to be instructional. But I feel like there's some real life lessons like DARE, like appropriate use yes. of social media that have to fit somewhere well, to equip kids amazing. for the real world.
0: Like we had DARE to educate us on drugs mm-hmm. don't do drugs, don't drink and drive, mm-hmm. don't whatever, whatever. And social media is like just as, as addictive as a drug, yep, exactly. And it's like Like I'm thinking like if we had some type of expert come in like have a presentation be like this is what to watch out for This is what not to post this is like like just come in and like give a course on it because it's like we're handing Kids this drug and we're not telling them how not to like why they shouldn't use it in a certain way like it's setting people up for failure and I think we also we live in a culture of shameful boundaries almost it's like because you said something about like I have all my passwords and it's not like I'm trying to micromanage or anything because for me it's protecting her but it's totally appropriate that you did that but in our culture today it's like
2: she's such an
0: intrusive mother I makes me a helicopter mom
2: because I don't want her having and then I make her on snapchat where you have to hide your location because I don't want some Creeper, as we would say at our house, you know, I don't want some creeper to come find you because you're on Snapchat and they can see what your location is. And at first, she didn't. She was kind of like, Mom, you know, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not supposed to do. And I said, It may not be you. Mm. I'm more worried about what somebody else might do or come and find you. I'm, I'm trying to protect you from the people who are out there that are dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so that's yeah.
0: Uh, And and I think that is totally appropriate and unpopular opinion. I think it's okay for parents to read kids' texts. Oh, yes. Don't, yep. I, like, yep. I'm gonna offend some people nah. by saying that. Totally agree. But it's appropriate because, like, as teenagers, scientifically, we are not capable of understanding consequence. We, we are very spontaneous. We don't understand the cost versus benefit. We can't understand consequences. So if we're sending things that we don't need to be sending, and as a parent's job, to guide a child out of that situation, and if we're living in a culture of oh, that's so intrusive and invasive, and I can't even believe that she'd do that to her child, they need to be independent. No, no. it's a parent's job to
2: guide their children through social media, and with a text or even a you know a snap, you because the kids kids will snap rather than text. When you put something in a text story or just send a snap message you're not considering necessarily context and tone of voice. Yes. And so I think that's often really hard when a kid gets a snap message or a text and they, they read it and they're, well, maybe that's not what the person meant. Mm. And so I think that's, I think it's about educating kids on how to manage their expectations of social media compared to what the world expects. It's mm. just, mm-hmm. it's such a hard, it is part of the world. It's not going away. Yes. And I love that you see that it's your age and you can realize the pros and cons of it but i think we as the adults have to figure out where do we start with these kids at is it elementary school mm-hmm. is it middle school helping them learn to navigate this mm-hmm. not just at home expecting parents to do it but through the school process too mm-hmm. because i mean we talk to kids about everything else at school we if you're talking about bullying if you're talking about making healthy eating choices or whatever it is, mm-hmm. how can we also incorporate this in our educational system mm. so that we're prepping kids for the real world? Because when they do go off to college or a job or the military, they need to have some of those, those skills with them, just like yes. balancing a checkbook and writing a resume. And yes. I feel like navigating social media is, is part of that real world to-do list now. Certainly, I. I. You don't get agree. a grade for it. It's not on the ACT. <laughs> it's it's it. It's not part of school performance score. But I feel like it's something that fits somewhere, and I just yes. don't know where that fits. And for I us.
0: feel like that's kind of where our society has evolved in terms of school. It's not like I feel like we don't get taught like real world skills anymore. It's like let's see how much information mm-hmm. we can cram into your brain into these four years, and then you're just going to have to figure out the rest by yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's thats how I feel about school. I don't know. How do you feel about that?
2: I think, and I think that, and I know Miss Gressett and I, we're the same age. And so when we went through high school, we took, we didn't take the EOC. It was called some, I don't even think it had i I don't even know what the name of it was back then. And, you know, we took the ACT, obviously. But the pressure on y'all as students academically is so much higher than it was on us. And I think that... I think that's where you Now, I did not take home ec family consumer science my husband (laughs) would tell you that he wished that I had taken home ec in high school but I do wish that we had some kind of real world training for students I know years ago Ruston High School offered a freshman orientation class Um, my youngest sister took it and Miss Potts legendary English teacher taught it and it was a half credit, it went along with your health, so it was like a, your whole freshman oh, year. Oh, that's
0: so smart. And Is they, that, they yes.
2: did um, a resume writing, she taught them the traditions of Ruston High because it's Miss Potts, oh. but that was the kind of class that you could work that into, but now with the required courses that our students need, there's not a lot of room for, for electives like that, so I don't really know where that fits, but I wish it fits somewhere in high school, maybe before high school, maybe middle school, because mm-hmm. that's where mm-hmm. kids, if you are waiting until 8th to get a phone, sixth and seventh grade may be the, the ideal time mm-hmm. for that.
0: Y'all don't be surprised if I make a call to Dan Crescent after this.
2: I don't know, I, I mean, <laughs> and I can tell you because I've, I've looked at Haley's, I remember Haley, Haley was a freshman when I was first teaching at Ruston High, so I was teaching and she was a, a freshman student, and I remember she'd come home and talk about what they were learning in freshman orientation, and a lot of colleges offer similar, similar classes to that, mm-hmm. but I just, I remember her learning to write a resume, and they did mock job interviews, I never had that in high school. I never had that in college. That was just Hmm. one of those things that you, I don't know how we learned that, not really sure. But I know there's so much pressure on y'all academically that there's not a lot of room. In my class, for example, with social studies, I can pull things in easily with current events. I could pull in issues with social media in the classroom. you do, you're very good about that. Well, and I try to because for my class, we talk about a lot of dead people and things that happened (laughs) a long time ago. So to make it relevant for somebody like you, how can I connect that to a current event? What's going on in the world? Mm-hmm. And so that's something in social studies maybe, discussions. I don't know where it fits, but I wish it was in our our classes somewhere for kids mm-hmm. because you can't guarantee that parents are going to address it at home. Mm-hmm. And if it is a distraction in the classroom, then maybe at school we need to figure out a way to address it. Like mm-hmm. I said, no perfect, I, have no perf- I have no solution for it. I have no real solution other than I wish there was a way to mm-hmm. address it.
0: Well, and my goal kind of with this podcast is that since there is such a wide gap between like the knowledge that we have between our teenagers and our parents, like I'm trying to kind of piece that mm-hmm. together so that we can figure out some solutions for that so that we can come to the conclusion that, you know, this is a problem,
2: it's not going away and we need to understand how we're going to address it because it needs to be addressed. It does. And I, it, like I said, I've got a 10 year old, his friends have social media and he does not. And there've been a few times he's been sitting at a basketball game, hanging out with them, and he's come down because he is is honest. He's honest, Abe. I mean, he will tell you anything. <laughs> He'll be like, "Mama, I left because they were watching this video and it was not appropriate." And oh. I'm like, "Okay, well, good for you." Mm-hmm. But you know, then on the flip side, there's going to come a time when he's embarrassed by it. You know, he's not going to want to walk away from it because he doesn't want to be picked on. So mm-hmm. I feel like what? it's just it, it's it's such a hard battle for y'all, and mm-hmm. I would I would not want to be in junior high or high school again, Coach Reader, my husband, Chad, always laughs about, he's glad there was no social media when he was in college playing football because he said he wasn't a bad kid, but it's just one of those, everything y'all do is documented. Oh yeah. Everything. And so how to manage that and manage the stress from that and the distraction mm-hmm. that that is and the pressure to look a certain way or have as many followers or likes, I don't, I don't envy y'all at all. And I wish as teachers and as parents, we could figure out a method of helping you cope with that. And Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, you're just going to have to figure it out. And I feel like that's what we've done because we're learning alongside with you. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, yeah, Yeah. I didn't have a MySpace. Mm -hmm. I remember getting Facebook and my sister, the same sister that's much younger, was like, oh my gosh, you're trying to be my friend on Facebook. Mm -hmm. She was so mortified (laughs) by it because she was a college student. And then, you know, then I, of course, even now grandparents are on Facebook and my great grandmother or my great aunts are on Facebook. And that's how you keep up with people that live all over the country. It's not going anywhere, but how can we help Mm y'all navigate it where it's not detrimental to Mm -hmm. your mental health or to your education? And I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to that. That's,
0: I don't. So we've talked about the addiction aspect Mm -hmm. that social media provides because it changes the way that we think and the way that we act and the way that we evaluate situations. So because of that addiction and the change in our thought process, have you seen a, a huge switch in priorities? or like motivation in your students have like from before they had social media to
2: now having social media? Have you seen that switch? Yeah. And I'm thinking too, Miss Gressett mentioned like what, 10, 11 years ago, I guess is when it really <laughs> came into being. And, and I said, I am not getting a Twitter account. I don't need one. But then because I was a coach and part of being a coach is monitoring your athletes and making sure that they're not doing something that's not appropriate for representing the school. I had to learn how to navigate some of that and so I, I definitely think so i mean when i was coaching cheer i i remember oh gosh they hated me they hated me <laughs> i made a phone box because the kids would come into practice and i miss Gressett coached for a while at sports as well they would come into practice and we'd be in the middle of a practice and say okay you know go take a water break they would immediately go to their phones mm, and my, then somebody yeah. somebody broke up you know got their boyfriend broke up with them and they were crying through the rest of practice and i'm thinking oh my gosh what a waste of time So, yes, I think priorities definitely changed. And so I think that's where I don't want to say zero access to social media or kids should never have phones until they're 18 years old. I know that's not reasonable, Mm -hmm. but I do think that there was a shift in priorities in the classroom. So, like, for sure. Or, as you know, even with athletics, like talking to kids that represent their school, student council, a band member, a kid in FBLA, they don't think about when they post something inappropriate. It's not so-and-so by name. It's, hey, a kid from Ruston High. Mm. And that's how it reflects on everybody. And mm-hmm. so their priorities are a little bit distorted and they're not realizing what they're doing is hurting not just maybe their team or not just maybe their family or classmates. It can taint their entire school's mm-hmm. reputation. And we see that on the news all the time. Yes. And so, yeah, but priorities definitely, definitely change less socializing in person. And that's yes. what I missed because when I would coach cheer, we would ride home on the bus from, from football games. And that was always one of my, the kids always just sat and they enjoyed and we'd listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. But then phones came in and that's all they did was sit on their phone. Instead of talking to each other on the bus, which oh is where gosh, they built so their memories. Point. Yeah, because I, in high school, that was, I was a Bearcat Bell, and we would ride the bus home and you got to just hang out. And all of a sudden the bus ride was just everybody on their phone. Stop! I haven't thought about that. It really was different. It really, it really was. Instead of instead of chatting with your whoever you're you're sitting with, or singing on the radio with Taylor Swift, and even Coach Reader will tell you that the football players were the same way. Like they'd be listening to music on the way home from a game, and every boy on the bus would be singing Taylor Swift. I will not name (laughs) the football players; they are grown men now, but now they don't do that. So you've you've lost the priority of building friendships or building relationships mm-hmm. that I think is a big part of high school.
0: Well, now when it would it, you couldn't even get that genuine like wanting to connect with people no. anymore because if you were to say so like if I were to bring it up to my sponsor be like, "Hey, like maybe we should connect and like put our phones away mm-hmm. on the bus ride." If you made everybody put their phone away, like they'd just be pouting the whole time because they didn't have their phone. They phones. would pout a little
2: bit for yeah. a little while, but then eventually they're going to, going to figure out that it's okay to okay. talk to each other, and I love, uh, I mean, I i love the the change in the attitude towards the kids because, you know, I mean, you're going to have your little group within, like, you're a Bearcat bell. Mm-hmm. You've got your little group of friends that you're friends with. They're your same class in school, or maybe you're in the same place on the kick, the kick line, so you're always talking to those girls, so if you had a chance to put phones up or if it's a sport, put your phone up or in the classroom. You may talk to kids you never talk to. Mm-hmm. And you know that there are kids that sit in the classroom that you may never have a conversation with. And as long as phones are out, we're not gonna talk to anybody, much less oh, yeah. the kids that we don't really know very well to mm-hmm. begin with. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way for teachers because we get just just distracted I and mean, we're texting in a faculty meeting, we're checking our email and it's just as important for adults. Mm-hmm. So yeah, priorities definitely changed. I missed just, the camaraderie of the girls that I was coaching because they just immediately gravitated back to backpacks and their phones.
0: So Ms. Cresta, you mentioned earlier that you have a daughter in sixth grade. So how has your experience with social media in the classroom affected how you parent her on social media?
1: Well, she does not have a phone. Interesting, (laughs) ooh, I
0: wanna know why.
1: A lot of that is because I saw, you know, some of the negative effects that we mentioned you know about mm-hmm. image and likes and all that the other is because when Dan was an assistant principal he would spend a lot of his time in discipline issues girl drama boy drama whatever and it always stemmed back to social media mm-hmm. texting something related to the phone and and i would say just I don't think she's old enough yet to like know how to regulate her time mm-hmm. you know on the phone and social media um, but a lot of that is because of just some of the drama that we've seen happen with students not necessarily in our classroom but just outside of the classroom mm-hmm. in the hall at lunch a- after school whatever
0: yeah
1: it's because of that like I'm I don't want her to experience that yet and not be equipped to, mm-hmm. to do that. So she'll, I don't know what age she'll get a phone. I mean, when she drives, she'll be able to have mm-hmm. one. And she has an iPad and <laughs> she has a little messenger app on her iPad that if if she needs to get in touch with us, then she can, she can like send us a message mm-hmm. or send my mom a message and she can make a call like in an emergency or something mm-hmm. from, you know, from her iPad. But the other night we were out to eat and four of her, she had three of her friends with her and they were all at a separate table and the little three friends are all over this and they're taking pictures and Addie Lou's just sitting there. (laughs) And Dan was like, she's the only one without a phone. But I don't think we'll give in and get her one. And and when she does, I think we'll be pretty selective about what social media she can have. And Mm -hmm. we'll, I mean, we'll tell her why, you know, like, and I feel like monitor, we'll monitor her time on Mm -hmm. there. Hopefully I know kids sneak it. But I, I want her to have a positive experience with it. So yes. I want her to be a little older and be aware that, like, these are the things that can happen. This is how you handle it mm. and that kind of stuff. I
0: love that. So, like, that is so <laughs> admirable to me because a lot of times – how old is she? She's 12. So 12, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't I don't even think I got a phone until, like, 7th or 8th grade. Mm-hmm. So, like, now that I think about it, that is kind of young, mm-hmm. and that does make sense. But I know a lot of girls her age – like, I've talked to, like, eight-year-olds that have cell phones Mm -hmm. before and most of the time it's because like a parent like both parents are working Mm -hmm. like they have to be they have to be able to text call Mm -hmm. whatever and so the parents get them a phone and they don't really think about social media or they don't consider social media or they don't have time to like care about social media or monitor it Mm -hmm. and so they just kind of choose to ignore it and that's where kind of all of the problems stem from because they just ignored it and mm-hmm. thought, well, that's not my realm of expertise, so I'm just going to I'm just going to let them figure it out. Yeah. And it's like if you have a wood shop and you're not just going to send your kids to go work in the wood shop because yeah. there's dangerous tools in there. Yeah. And so I really do appreciate the fact that you recognize like there are very extremely negative experiences that can come from having social media and not understanding how to deal with it. Yeah. And that's why we're here. Yeah. We're here to understand how to deal with it, but just taking the precaution as a parent is so formative and influential in helping your children understand like that they are worth caring about mm-hmm. and setting boundaries for. Yeah. And
1: it's so, hard. I mean, it's it hard is. to it's not so give in when all of our friends,
0: you know, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I think every parent
1: should decide for them you know what's best for their kid. Like, yes,
0: it's hard to not give in. Oh, so you hard. Know. And I've, I've said this before. I had somebody ask me, like, if you could go back and do it over again, would you do it differently? And I think they were expecting me to be like, never have social media ever. And it, that's just not realistic mm-hmm. because we live in a culture where it's like, even if you don't have social media, it affects you anyways mm-hmm. because everybody around you has social media and then you get major FOMO and you feel left out all the time yeah. because you don't have social media. Well, little do you know, if you don't have social media and don't have an inner feeling FOMO from not having it, you're gonna feel just as much FOMO if yeah. you were on it, from what you're seeing on it. Yeah, and so you just don't understand that yet. So yeah. I really appreciate that and well, admire that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. It's <laughs> it's hard to do, but
1: we
2: just are like we're sticking to it. Right. So. That's great. So I had a flip phone, and Hannah was a baby. She was laying on a she was laying on a blanket at cheer practice, mm-hmm. and the girls were like, "Let me teach you how to text." And I'm like, "I'm never gonna text. Why am I gonna need this?" And it was when you had to push the button three times. To get the right letter and i remember thinking like this is the dumbest this is a waste of time and then you know you fast forward five years and that was gonna that was the easiest way to communicate with a through something like group me to and miss Gressett does this with student council you know sends a message a mass message because i'm gonna tell you kids are not gonna come check a bulletin board anymore mm-hmm. parents want information and so social media is and miss Gressett does a phenomenal job with our school social media, I was so excited when, and I, I kind of knew it was her behind it when it started, but we needed that because it, that was what—that's how you were keeping up with a business in town that was having a sale, or it, you watch the check the news on Facebook or whatever it was. So we've had to we've had to shift with the times, and I think now parents expect it and students expect it, and it's just how to do it in a way that's safe and appropriate for young people and how, I just wish there was a way that we could help y'all learn to navigate it before you got to high school, yeah. before you have so many other things on your mm-hmm. plate. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I think, I, when I, and I did not know mary Laura, I know of you because I know your parents, mm-hmm. and but you're a year younger than Hannah. And when you first got involved in pageants and your, you presented your platform, community service initiative, the name changes, I was so impressed by that, and I was so impressed by, because you were running it as an Instagram, and I think Hannah told me about it. And she said, this is a really cool idea, Mom. And she said, and I I said, what do you think about it? She said, well, I like it, because she said, everybody's always worried about trying to put the perfect picture out. Mm -hmm. And then you also had friends come in and show, like, here's the picture on the beach that you posted, but then here are the 15 pictures behind that did not look right. Mm -hmm. And you were real with it. (laughs) And I think that that's important, because... Social media, like you said, it's kind of, it's an addiction and we don't want people to think negatively of us. You only see what we want you to see Mm -hmm. on our social media. And so I really appreciate as a young person, you seeing the need for that and not being afraid to speak up about that because that's hard. I mean, that's hard to be the one of your peers that says, hey guys, you don't have to be perfect Mm -hmm. and you don't have to always have your makeup just right or your hair just right. If you don't make an A on every test, it, the world is not going to end. And I really do appreciate that because I don't think a lot of young people—they may think it—but you've, you've had the guts to speak up, and I think that that's really important. And you don't know how many young people you've inspired, and even adults that make us think as parents. Okay, what, what, what do we need to do differently mm-hmm. so that our kids are seeing to be real? Because I've said it—I've said it to my own child. Hey, quit putting a filter on your TikTok videos. Mm-hmm. But mom, I don't have a spray tan. I said. Who cares? Yeah. Like, who cares? So we've had mm-hmm. arguments and discussions, but I appreciate that for somebody your age, and I think that you've had such an impact and can continue to do that as you go on past Rustin high School into college and whatever you do. Oh. So I appreciate that.
0: Thank you so much. As a that, mom. That, so means much. A, that means a lot to me. I think the hardest like mental shift through all of that was realizing that nobody is actually perfect. no yeah. matter how no matter how perfect they present themselves to be on social media, They're not, and so there's no point in trying to put on this persona of myself that I'm never even going to be able to achieve
2: because that's well. And then people will say, Oh, well, you know, this is what his social media looks like, or her social media, they're so fake. Well, we're all fake on social media, Mm -hmm. we're only putting our best foot forward, and so if we talk about how there is that pressure to be a certain way, look a certain way, post a certain thing then it helps us understand we're all on the mm-hmm. same boat. So I do appreciate that because I think it's very much needed mm-hmm. for somebody in this generation to start speaking up.
0: Well, thank you so much. I have certainly enjoyed this conversation um, throughout this episode. I have very solemn looked at any of my notes, which is wonderful. That That's the most fun type of episode to film. So I'm so thankful for you coming in today. Thank you so much Anytime. for chatting with me, Anytime. trying something new, a podcast. I had so much fun. Well, thank you for inviting me.